Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hi, everybody. I'm Tasty. That's Jamil. <laughs> the one, the only. You're Tasty. Aren't you now? We don't need last names here. All right. Right. I think there was was a time back in the day when we uh, gave our last names. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now we're more like we want to disavow really any, any sort of official right. association here. Right. Oh, that must yeah. be another Jamel and Tasty. It must be. There's a ton of those guys. Couldn't, couldn't have been us. Yeah, yeah. You know, this. Uh, it's kind of hot weather. It's kind of hard to make a beer unless you've got a uh, really cool place to do it. How is your uh, brewery, Jamel? Uh, hotter What's the ambient? Can you live it? Can you tolerate it? <laughs> I can because I, what I do is I just make everybody make else it? stay there and work. And I then I get, a, I, I get up and go. I'm doing like travel to Europe. And, That's right. I got to go. I get you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's what the advantage of being the uh, tycoon oh, yeah. that you are. That's right. That's warm right. up the jet. They just call your guy and he, he warms it up. Yeah, the private jet comes, picks me up at the uh, Pittsburgh airport. Yes, that's yeah. quite an airport. There. Uh-huh. Is that oh. international? I, I don't know. Well, it no, seems to be staffed uh, that way. We got yeah, we got to make a hop to uh, you know like Tijuana, and then we're international. Oh, I see. You know, we make make that little little leap there. Is your beer just uh, distributed in this country, or do you got some going outside the country? Uh, we do quite a bit in Australia. Oh. Um, we have a, a great uh, importer there, uh, Phoenix. They also represent uh, Sierra Nevada. So all the beer travels cold well, all the way, well taken care, of. all the way across. They nice. send a truck, pick it up. That's better than here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the check shows up, and it's like, yeah. great, all right. Yeah. You know these good comments from Australia. It's like, all right, and then um, so it's on the market there. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, uh, and I think we are donating some to the uh, homebrewers conference as a matter of fact wow they wanted uh actually the berliner rice the tartuffe i'm like ah, i don't know if that's like the beer for everybody maybe you know go that's what they wanted though, or something. Huh? yeah hmm. yeah whatever and then um i just heard about uh thailand um some market chain that has like 30 30 stores is going to be carrying our beer there wow so and again, I don't have to do anything. Just <laughs> I'm like perfect. They pick up the beer and everything, I guess, right? Oh yeah, I don't. I, it's actually going through one of our distributors to one of their it's customers like, to his customer, and and uh, I don't have to do anything. Just bottle it, let it sit there. Pretty I, soon, it, it's gone. Yeah, I said you know, as long as it's kept cold and shipped cold, mm-hmm. then um, I'm fine with it. Great. As long as I get paid. You know. Now, do you know what the retail uh, is in U.S. dollars over in Australia? You know, have you heard like what their mm. what it get, goes for? I'm bar? sure it's pretty expensive because 
they have to pay tax based on alcohol content. So anything over like 5.6 or 6% or something becomes like a higher tax rate. And then shipping refrigerated all that way isn't cheap. No, that's a lot of cost of that product for sure. So... Um, I don't know. Somebody's paying for that. I'm sure that's the difference in price for one thing. Right, right. There's maybe a couple more profits in there, too. Well, and you know, uh, my thought is, um, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody who's buying beer, but, um, you know, when I see beer here in the U.S. that's come from another country, I'm willing to pay more for it, Mm -hmm. but I I want to make sure the product's good, that it's, you know, that's more important than well maintained. So, I understand the extra expense. Okay, I'll pony up and pay twice what I would pay for sure. a you know a U.S. made beer. Yeah, like when I get a bottle of candy on, I don't mind right. paying like you know twenty bucks, twenty five bucks for right. it. Right. Well, but if it's off, then I feel like I get screwed. Right. Yeah. yeah and then, then as long as it's been treated well mm-hmm. and the product's in good shape, then okay, I got my value out of it. But you you know you buy it and then it's like old and oxidized, then it's like oh, I got ripped off twice as much as I normally. <laughs> get that hurts even more, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the whole Cantillon thing, I, I went to Cantillon, and, uh, you know, they sell those yeah, like, 750s for, like, six euros. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. get over here, it's, like, 40 bucks. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's in place. So, your beer is doing the same thing, just going to Australia. Right. Crazy price. So, yeah, there you go. Well, good. Well, what have you been up to? Well, I've been uh, brewing quite a bit. I've, uh, besides yeah. these beers, I which I brew. Yes. <laughs> A lot. Because I'm lazy, and I won't do it. Well, yeah. And uh, I've been working on, like, uh, Session Ale, Session Blonde, Session yeah, session Pale. Nice. I'm drinking a great one here from a, from Heretic. What's it called again? I, How do you say that? Grammary. 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 And yeah. it's got a real big uh, rye note, not overpowering, but, man, mm-hmm. the body in that beer is like, great. That's You yeah. think that's because of the rye, the, the texture of the rye? Uh, that high mash temp. And, How high did you rye. go? Uh, I think this one was 156, okay. 155, 156. Right. And then, That's what uh, I'm doing on my session beer is I'm yeah. up to 156. 4.4%. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Am- Amarillo beer. and uh, Cascades. Finally, a, a heretic beer I can drink. <laughs> yes, yes. Hmm. Um, although it's hoppy. I don't know how you, you're able to drink a hoppy I, beer. I don't, it's not, I, I don't dislike well, hops. Mm-hmm. In IPA, I just I, I like to have more than two mm-hmm. and still drive. So right. it's just the alcohol that I object to. But I like hops. I'll I'll drink a hoppy beer all day long and just want to be able to stand up after several. Yeah, lighter in balance. That's a good beer. Sure. Yeah, right. yeah. No, I like well, it. I'm trying to well. get bars to carry more session beers, and uh, yeah. they said nobody orders them because they they look at the menu and go like right five fifty for a six and a half percent beer. Or should I pay five fifty for a four and a half percent beer? Right. That's why hoppier beer or more alcohol beer should be different price than a lower alcohol beer. I well, that's what I'm, yeah, except about like that, fifty cents. Yeah, but if you think about how the retailer gets the beer, right? What, you charge the same price for the cousin as you do this pale, right? Uh, or a little bit. No, it's, this is this is the this same is, price as, as the twin, twin right? And gray. That's a six and a half percent. So the retailers right. is just being asked to charge the same thing, right? Because he's being charged the same thing, right? If he discounted at fifty cents. That'd be like sixty bucks a half barrel for him, right? Well, that wouldn't make sense in his mind. Right. But he could this beer, the four point four percent beer. He'll make more money because the person will drink three right. and only have two of the other. Right. He doesn't know it, but if he lowered the price, he'd actually make more money. Well, and the thing on pricing on these though is that grain is not the expensive item in it. 
You know, yeah, the, yeah, di- yeah, the difference yeah, in grain exactly. between this mm-hmm. and oh. something at 7% is, yeah. you know, it's maybe a couple hundred bucks at most, yeah. you know, on, on a 30-barrel batch. Right. So it, it, it equates to hardly anything. Right. And the hops in it are expensive hops. Amarillo and, uh, you know, Cascades right. are, are, you know, mid-priced, and Amarillo is really expensive. And then there's a ton of it in there. And so... Yeah, I heard one time yeah, that pricing wise, it's yeah. like, well, it's the same price because of, because of the hops. Yeah, all the bo- the bottles, the labor, the, the delivery, the right. all the all the, the, all the markup the labor's the same, and that's probably yeah. one of the most expensive right. parts. Somebody told me one time that ingredients are half the cost of beer. Uh, oh, you it's think it's not less? Even, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just less. a tiny fraction. If you count labor and rent and insurance right. and delivery fees and bottling and all that, ingredients are nothing. I mean, the malt is is insignificant. I mean, they raised, you know, malt price by thirty percent, and everybody raised the price of their beer a little bit this this last year. But you know, it's you could have, I think, just as easily said, "Well, yeah, all right, <laughs> you know, thirty yeah, percent increase in malt." It's like, yeah, all right. So you got to raise yeah. the price of beer like eight percent or two, right? Because, oh, the cost side of it, not the labor. That's going to be the, right. That goes up too, right? Yeah, it's got its own time, its own right, line. right. Well, you know, maybe you, the, the the manufacturer, can do something about it. Why don't you be bold, and you know, knock uh, thirty bucks off uh, off of the lighter beers? Even though technically you'd be right. like, that's money you could have. You definitely going to get it. Yeah, I'd probably lose money but at that you, point. But maybe draft. you would be selling thirty uh, percent more beer. Yeah. Well, there's no guarantee that the bar. I mean, right. I can see it from the bar owner standpoint. It's like, oh well, shit. Now I'm making. Thirty bucks. <laughs> they'll, they'll just more. More money. Price, yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, those horrors. Yeah. We got to get. Yeah. You know, we got to get that going right. I mean, well, what if you made them a deal? What if you said, "I'll only sell it to you." I don't right. think you can if you charge if you don't charge more than that or something. Right? You can't. Yeah. 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 Shit! Uh, I could go and do that. Right. right I'll do it right. for you. I, you know. Well, and what's what's interesting is, so we did the uh, Berliner Weiss before this, right. right? And that's also low alcohol, mm-hmm. and but it's it's a tart beer. Sold out the 30 barrels in 12 hours. Wow. Completely out. You know, we packaged it up. It was all gone. All the so you put it on the, it all up. You made right it on. available and then it's got all taken away. Gone. Right. So this beer, it's it's available. <laughs> I still don't have any orders for it. Really? Yeah. Well, actually, Cordy Brothers. Because they said, see it's a pale they would, ale? They would make an end cap out of it if we brought them some, some bottle of End cap, that means warm, doesn't it? Right. Don't do just have to get in, to see your get in real yeah. quick. Get in. Oh, they could have refrigerated. Tell them you'll yeah. let them have a stack in the back, but don't be on the floor. They could have a refrigerated end cap. Some of the stores do. Really? Yeah, it could be one of the, like you. You know, you go to um, like a high end electronics store or something like that, or even like Costco, where you 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 go and buy like a, one of those Nikon package deals they have, right. and they say take this box to the register. Right. I mean, that's what you should do. Just have empty <laughs> bottles sitting on the end cap, and then you have to take, take it to the, the bottle, brewery. and then. <laughs> And then we'll fill it for you there. Even better. Actually, we'll just put in a pint glass for you. Yeah. Or just all the beers, you know, in the cooler in the back, and then you have to go in and, and get it. Right. Perfect. But, Perfect um, idea. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, none of the distributors are really interested in, in a, uh, a rye pale session beer. Wow. I think, which this is beer's just, excellent. It's yeah. seasonally appropriate. They ought to get it. Right. Get it out there and get it in bellies. Well, it's and, good. And I was thinking, well, I, I didn't really think of it this way, but I just realized that one of my favorite beers, uh, Sierra Nevada's Ruthless Rye, mm-hmm. is not available right now. It's seasonal. Right. So I can't get it anymore. Right. I, I, I drank the crap out of that beer. I loved it. No, it was really good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's not available. It's like, okay, well. Here you go. I'll here's, make my own. Good rye. All well, right. you do have a lot then. Yeah. So. Well, 
I'll, 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 uh, I'll go out there and do some. Drink. I'll, I'll get Enjoy. you some accounts, Jamil. We'll get, we'll get it going. Right? Right. Oh, I'm sure, like, you know, Beer Rev, they yeah. take everything, and, and I'm sure they do it for us. But Yeah. I mean, it's a beer that's going to do really well. Be better if it was like a dollar less. People just have to taste it, and then they're going to want more. No, it's real, it's real drinkable. Yep. Speaking of uh, drinkable and, and wanting more <laughs> and, and, and great beers, uh, what's our beer for today, JP? Our beer for today is uh, another uh, delicious beer from those freaks at Ska Brewing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the beer is Modus Hopperanda, a beer which I'm totally okay. not familiar with mm-hmm. uh, because they are in Colorado and we are not. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Neil, our good buddy Neil, went down there again yes, to Colorado. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, did a nice little interview. All right. Yeah, he does a good job on the inter- interviews. Very yeah. thorough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been to Ska. I went, went really? there on a trip with the family. I used to be into Ska, but, you know, I was 14 and didn't know better. So, <laughs> musically. Never mind. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a uh, short break. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we come back, we'll hear from Neil and Ska about modus operandi after this. Uh, wrong button. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store has been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, 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 it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. 
BN Army, Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. What's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. All right, this is Neil Spake with the Brewing Network, and I'm at the Ska Brewery in Durango, Colorado, and I'm hanging out with the uh, co-founders and owners of the brewery itself. Uh, we have Dave Thibodeau and Bill Graham. Yep. How are you Hello. all doing? Good, Neil. Thanks for coming by. I uh, really appreciate you having me here. Definitely. You bet. You bet. It's always fun to be here. We're actually in the second floor of the tasting room, so we're hoping the sound turns out right. Yeah, yeah it should be fine. I think it'll be just fine. It looks like it. It's not picking up a lot of ambient noise. So it's cool. So you guys were homebrewers originally, right? We were. We uh, we started brewing. Well, we at the time in Colorado, when we were in high school and you were 18, you could buy 3-2 beer, right? and then the year that we turned 18, they changed the law, but we got grandfathered in, but up until that point, um, we enjoyed beer, not legally, <laughs> and uh, we actually figured out, we ran across a, uh, a brewing log of my dad's in his library that had uh, a bunch of recipes that he brewed uh, starting like back in the 60s. But he used to be able to buy malt extract in the grocery stores and the baking goods. Cool. Um, and we found that and uh, started flipping through it and realized that you actually make the alcohol. So before we were even old enough to drink, we figured out how to, how to make beer. Awesome. <laughs> so, you, so you guys have been good friends for a long time. Long time. Yes. We've known each other for a really And did you grow up here in Durango? Or? No. No. We, uh, we were both from uh, a suburb of Denver, Wheat Ridge, okay. and Wheat Ridge Golden area. We're actually about three miles from the Coors Brewery. All right. Yeah. And near there. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> 
So how did you wind up in here, in Durango? Just seemed like the right thing to do? I think we, uh, well, by the time, I think by the time we both, Bill went to college in Boulder at CU, and I went to Metropolitan State College in Denver, and by the time we graduated from college, we hated what we were going to college for. Yep. <laughs> and we just wanted to live in Durango, so we took off fishing around the state, and, um, Ended up to Durango. Bill went. Bill did go to school here, like the first year out of high school, and and I had spent a couple summers here, and we just loved Durango. Cool. So you got the idea to do a microbrewery? Yeah, we'd been talking about it, you know, forever, and and it just we just never figured we'd have the money or the resources to do it, and it was you know still early nineties. Oh yeah. So it wasn't. It was, it was that first kind of real boom was starting to happen when we were first throwing the idea around. Pretty much our home brewing had grown out of the house garage and into a commercial garage. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, my garage is full of brewing equipment. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. It was cool. When we moved, when we first moved here, we uh, there wasn't, well... Even when we first started the brewery, there were still no other home brewers that we knew in the whole town, except for this one kid that we had heard about, and uh, kind of a punk-ass kid, and we heard about parties that he was throwing all the time with his homebrew, and uh, so we just, and he didn't know about us, but we just packed up a five-gallon keg and showed up at his party one time, and he freaked out, and... Uh, is now our partner. He, huh. he helped us out that first year a lot, and then he bought in after the first year, and that's, that's Matt Vincent. So when we first started, it was kind of cool because we were way into all grain at that point, but it was it was hard to get supplies. We didn't know anybody else to brood. And oh, definitely. So, that time, yeah. things were all new. Yeah. All right. Cool. Did you go to school anywhere to study for brewing or just use your own brewing experience? School of Hard Knocks. Yeah. Uh, that <laughs> we, works for a lot of people. We brewed a lot of crap while we were our early stages of homebrewing. There wasn't even a homebrew shop in Colorado when we started homebrewing. And the first one opened up like that second year. So we uh, pieced together a lot of stuff and brewed a lot of crazy beer. And it, But at the time, I mean, in all honesty, we weren't... We weren't brewing to brew great beer when we started. We were brewing to make alcohol. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, eventually we um, we started getting better. And we actually, our, one of our best friends from high school at the, uh, at the time was the head brewer at the Winku Brewing Company in Denver. And so we gave him, yeah, we gave him um, 5% of the business to help us get going. So we, we had a couple other friends in the industry spent a lot of time at some of the other breweries in Colorado and then actually hired Kyle to help us make that jump to a commercial scale. So, and we still started on a pretty small system. Not like as small as some of the nano breweries today, but seven barrel system. Okay, cool. So the reason we're here for the program today is, the, at least in Austin, it's fairly infamous beer. Modus Hopperendi. Right. And we have a lot of, at least in my realm of home brewers, very eager to hear about this one. So I think it'll be a, a really highly listened to show. Definitely. Cool. All right. Great. So let's talk a little bit about it. Okay. If you don't mind. <laughs> you bet. We, uh, that beer does well in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the impetus for it? You just hop heads or? Well, I think we we were turning into hop heads. Um, we didn't have... 
we start out brewing mostly kind of traditional English style ales and we weren't really going out of bounds on a lot and I think we kind of got to the point where and it was happening all over the country where the hoppier beers were just tasting better and better and better to us we did have a we did have a double IPA out for a while that we brewed originally for our 10th anniversary um, but we wanted a we wanted a good IPA for a while right so. we at the time that we kind of started developing the bonus we had just uh done our first wet hop IPA um, and picked some hops and uh, the brewer at the time, Jeff Ogden and I, were playing around with some single hop uh, IPA versions, like just pilot brewing them, over and over just like really with Cascade or Columbus is like the keynote and uh, you know, in, in brewing those little five gallon batches here and there we, we I don't know, kind of developed like the different idea of blends of how we wanted to create this IPA, which eventually became the motive. So, uh, I would say that all of our beers are pretty hop forward, though. You asked yeah, if we were hop heads, so I would, I would say they're all pretty hop forward. So, yeah, we're hop heads. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of cool when we first did it. We actually bought every pale ale and every IPA we could find in Durango and did a blind tasting. To kind of get a an idea, even though we didn't know what hops were in them, yeah. to get an idea of where we wanted to go, and um, our whole staff, 100% blind, picked Odell's IPA as their their favorite IPA, and then so we uh, we sat around drinking that, talking about what might be in there and what we really wanted, and, and these guys nailed it on the brew side with the recipe, so. Cool. Yeah, it was, and it just it just took off immediately. Became pretty well. It's our flagship now. Yeah, but right. far surpassed our other beers. So, what batch size do you do you brew this with? We we brew uh, on a thirty barrel brew house, okay. and then we have uh, two hundred and forty barrel fermenters. Okay. So, uh, in particular for the Modus because it is our flagship. So we'll brew. Uh, eight, basically, the brewers will come in and turn on the brew house and they'll knock eight batches of beer through it, fill up one 240 barrel fermenter, and, and call it a day. That takes us about a 24 hour shift. Okay. So there's three brewers working eight hour shifts. Gotcha. Okay. Works out to about 24 hours, and that's that's a that's a modus brew day. All right. And what's the starting gravity? The uh, in. Original gravity, it's uh, 106.7, 1.067. Uh, degrees Plato, geez, we're going to have to do some math. Divide we don't necessarily, we're, we're comfortable with whatever. <laughs> okay. we, can, we can make okay. any conversions. Yes. It's, it's basically 6.8%. Okay. PD. So we're, we're shooting for a pretty high uh, original gravity there. It's, you know, it's, it's a big group. It's yeah. a big one. And what does it finish out at? That's a good question. Um, you know, I... I have the final gravity at 1.015, so it comes out pretty dry. We use a a pretty hearty attenuating yeast. I I like 007 for this beer, uh, White Labs 007. Um, I think, though, that you could probably get by with uh, any one of the, like, kind of original English strains, uh, or even, you know, you could probably even sneak in, like, what I would call a... A homebrew or a craft brewer strain of strains, uh, 1056. Okay. I think you could sneak that in there. Um, I would avoid some of the like 
diacetyl producers like a ringwood strain with right. this beer. Um, di- I mean, di- I know that diacetyl is a little semi acceptable in this style. Boy, diacetyl and lots of hops. I don't hate that. I hate it. Don't yeah. <laughs> so you really want a good clean fermenter that's going to tolerate a lot of beers. Okay. Uh, and what's the color range? Do you know? Oh, God, I have all this. You, you, have you know I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> right? Uh, the SRM, I don't have it on my notes right here. David, okay. what do you got? Ask Bill some more technical questions, <laughs> yep, and I'll right. run grab all the actual technical info on that Okay. On that beer. All right, how about IBUs? IBUs is uh, 68. Okay. And what is the typical carbonation? 2.58. Uh, Volumes? Volumes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we lose about 0.15 when we do our canning, so we come in a little bit higher than that. It's okay. usually about 2.63. So actually, if you're enjoying our modus draft, uh, it's quite, it has a pretty high potential to be a, just slightly more carbonated than our, our package. Than the package. Okay. And you do bottles as well as cans, right? We just do the cans with okay. the modus. It's right. a canned-only product. Um, we started off doing uh, the bottles in Texas in particular because of the labeling yeah. restrictions there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we did a lot of bottles, and then we decided to just go ahead and phase that out, change the can design, and just stick with cans completely. Uh-huh. Cans were out selling the bottles about two to one, so it was just another, it was like a horizontal package or a horizontal marketing um, kind of situation that we didn't really need. Yeah. Uh, it's better to have more vertical marketing. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. Instead of like multiple packages on the same shelf of the same beer. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And how about the grist or grain bill for this guy? All right. How deep and dirty should we get all the way? As much as you'll give me. As much as I'll give you. Okay. Uh, It's really simple. There's three malts in this. It's 88% two row. Is that an American two-row? It's an American two-row. Okay. Um, it's actually, uh, I think it's a blend of Metcalf and Harrington. Okay. I think is what our two-row blend is. Um, it's 7% caramel 120, and it's 5% red wheat malt. Red wheat malt. So we've used the wheat malt really to try to get, um, you know, some head retention, some things like that that we're not going to get all the way from our two-row on our Right. Caramel's just there to basically color and a little bit of caramelization flavors. Uh, the rest of it we kind of get from our kettle boil. Uh, at our altitude here, we boil for 90 minutes to get the kind of evaporation that we need. Um, the bonus of that as well is we get pretty good uh, caramelization in our kettle as well. Um, if you're at a lower altitude, say Austin, yep. a real guys in Austin, you could probably... Uh, you know, you could cut this boil down to about 60 minutes. Okay. As long as your evaporation rate was, was where you wanted this. We used to, we try to get about a 2% to 5% evap. It just depends on the beers. Okay. And uh, the, the red wheat, is that Fireman? Or do you source it from uh, American get, wheat? Source? Yeah, we get an American wheat source okay. on that. It's just that uh, I've seen white wheat and red wheat. Yeah. Okay. So it's just the red wheat. All right. Good. And really, that's our heavy touching. Uh, yeah. It doesn't contribute a whole lot. Yeah. Other than that. Okay. Cool. So, is it a single infusion mash? Yep. 
single step infuse. Uh, there's no real tricks there. We try to we come in pretty warm, about 158, okay, approximately, and we'll. Uh, or excuse me, we strike quite a bit warmer than that, about 164, but we're trying to hold pretty warm, 155 to 158. Okay. The big thing with like, your mash profile with this beer and with any IPA is nailing your water. You really want to quote unquote burtonize your water. Okay. We want to see a lot of gypsum, a lot of whatever salts, depending on what your water, your base water profile is like. Right. And you know, like go, it's go pretty heavy hand with this water adjustment in your mash. Little tip for you, the homebrewers or whoever that's out there doing all grain. Yep. We take our salts and we'll add it right to our, our raw barleys, the whole kernel barley, and pour that all right into the milk. That way we get a good distribution of the salts right in there with the, with the barley and when you start to uh, mash. So we don't even stir the salts in, we just we throw it all into the mill, run it through the mill, the augers, the whole smear here at the brewery, and it comes into the mash tun fully mixed. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes it easy. Yeah. So is it a 60-minute stand? Or? Yeah, we'll, we'll rest for an hour. Yeah. We could probably cut that down with the multiple brews that we do. It's probably 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Uh, we usually see conversion in 10 or 15 minutes, but we definitely want to rest and hold for a long time just to make sure. Right. Particularly with 30 barrels, we, there's a lot of depth there. We want to make sure that we get a good water penetration if we're not going to convert all of those, all of those structures. Okay. And do you do a mash out at all, or just mash out? Yeah. Raise the temperature at the no. very end of the mash. Yeah. We, what, we'll do, what we'll start to do is we'll run our boil off for approximately 15 minutes. Okay. We circulate the over itself, make sure that we have a good homogenized mash, and then we'll start to run out. And when we start uh, sparging, we'll sparge it more like 170 degrees, okay. and slowly start to raise that up. If you do have steam on your mash tun, which we don't here, we have just we just have to hold it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it ever hurts to start to you know do a mash out and raise your temperature on the way out. Um, it just you know loosens up those proteins, makes everything uh, flow a little bit smoother, and you should be able to break most of that out on your kettle boil anyway with your hot break in your kettle. So I, I don't stress the like it, you know. Everyone has a different view, so I always ask a question. I'm a production brewer. Yep. I like to raise the temperature and keep it hot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hot and wet. So how long is the, you said the sparge temperature is 170? Yeah, typically we'll sparge at 170, and we'll, we'll, we'll pretty much see that we won't really raise our mash temp more than a few degrees. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll basically be ending up at about 160. Okay. And, and the, when it's all said and done, when our last runnings are hitting the cattle, if you look at your mash temp, you're still at, you know, you're still at 160, which is been converting ideally that whole time for two hours. Right. So how long does the sparge process typically take in here? At this brewery, it takes about an hour and 15 minutes okay. for a kettle fill. Um, if we're really motoring out, and for whatever reason, our grist and everything is really cooperative, we can maybe do that in 45 minutes. We'll cut a half an hour off of the sparge. That's pretty rare. Okay. Um, and we really don't. We want to see a kettle fill from an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Ideally. Yeah. Otherwise, you're stuck, or otherwise, you're, yeah. you need to be checking what your mill gap is like. There's got to be a reason why we're like flowing through so quickly. It's quite possible our bell gap came loose on us. Okay, so you mentioned the importance of water. What is your water source here at the brewery? We have uh, 
we have Durango City Water, which is really good. Pilsner based water. We run it in, uh, we use our water several different ways here at the brewery. So with those multiple brews, I have both a cold liquor tank and a hot liquor tank. Uh, that gives us some really good consistency. Our knockout times are 45 minutes you know, to run through a heat exchanger off to the fermenter. Um, anyway, the water will come in to the uh, into the brewery and rest in our cold liquor tank. It'll go through that first heat exchange and then run over to the hot liquor tank. Hot liquor tank, and then it'll it'll be heated up, if not boiled. And we have several hot liquor tanks on the floor. Um, and then from there into the, into the uh, mash tub. Okay. So in theory, we've used our water twice before it hits the uh, mash tub. Okay. And do we detreat the modus water at all? Yeah. Anything? We discussed Oh, you did. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. It's not confusing, but with, with, the, with here at our brewery in Durango, Colorado, so yeah. you're going to have to come to Durango, Colorado to copy this, but I'll tell you what we burdenize our water with. We use gypsum, canning salt, and baking soda. Okay. Those three things. So yours at home will be different, but that's a pretty good starting point. Right. Okay. That's very helpful. Yeah. I really appreciate the, the sure. detail. Yeah, no problem. We got um, original gravity in Play-Doh on this is 16 and a half. And now I've, I actually have, Bill's giving you like te- good technical specs. I have what's on our, what I use on our website. Okay. So occasionally like some of these numbers have varied a little bit depending on what we're doing. So I think Bill's probably right on, but if 16 and a half isn't exactly 1.0, Six seven. Yeah. One point oh six seven is what you should shoot for. Gotcha. I'm just a marketing guy and this is what I <laughs> this is what I tell people. <laughs> what, um, what do you have for color? Yeah. Color is uh, I got uh, SRM of thirteen. Thirteen, okay. Yeah. And it's got it definitely has an a bit of an orange hue to it. So Right. It should, you know, it's definitely, it's important with the Carmel 120. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't give you a lot of, uh, oh, like the stale malt flavors yeah. that come from, like, lower lava on Carmel malt. So that's why we like the 120. Okay. Cool. And so off into the copper. And you said you do a 90-minute boil. Yep. Based mostly on your altitude. Yep. Um, you can shorten short that up. Yep. I mean, if I were at a lower altitude, I would definitely shorten it up. Okay. Like I said, I'm a production brewer, and I need exactly. to get things going, but that's what I have to stick with there. Yeah, exactly. So then do you, you use any copper findings at the end of the boil? Yeah, we'll use um, yeast X and brake bright. Okay. Um, brake bright, and I th- it might have changed. I'm... Forgive me if I'm using kind of older terminology. I just like to call it brick bright. I, it, it might be uh, that's fine. I'm world flock or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think it is world flock now. But anyway, Irish moss. Yeah. Throw some Irish moss in okay. there, and we like to use yeast X because this is a, a high octane yep. beer. Uh, we want to see eighty percent attenuation out of our. Um, out of our yeast, yeah. pretty so that, much. So that's a yeast nutrient. Yeah. yeah. So okay. yeast X is a yeast nutrient. It's mostly zinc-based. Okay. So you want to get some zinc in there to feed your yeast a little bit. Cool. Yeah. All right. So then after the boil, do you uh, start the hop regimen? Yes. We, because it's... I use I have it written down as a 90-minute as a hop. Um, 
We usually wait for a hot break before we add any of our hops. So, you know, that's pretty typical. We get a hot break, and if you can skim off the proteins or just wait for it to dissolve back in. We, at the brewery, we, we just wait for it to dissolve back in. We don't have a way to skim off those proteins with our, our hot hop. Um, but anyway, our, our 90 minute hop on this beer is Centennial. Um, it's a. Uh, it's not the most, it's not the highest alpha hop in the world, but it's you typically gives us a good alpha yield. And what we're really looking for is, I know that, you know, with this bittering hop addition, people say, well, that's only bittering. Come on, there's some organoleptic characters from these hops that we want to have sitting around. And uh, Centennial's going to be a good citrus, uh, great fruity kind of flavor, so... We centennial at the 90 minute, then we wait, we boil for a full 60 minutes, and then we'll start the rest of our regiment. So we'll get our flavor hop in, uh, which is Cascade and Centennial, and then we'll go to our aroma hops, which are Columbus and Cascades. Okay. And then we'll do a zero minute addition. We'll basically, as we kill the steam on our kettle, or you kill your fire, um, we'll add uh, Columbus and Cascades again, and uh, then we'll go to Whirlpool. Okay. So Whirlpool, tell it's nice and bright. Uh, I'm going to ask this. You don't have to reveal it. Okay. The hop split of those type of hops. So um, we've got 100 Two-thirds, one-thirds, 50-50, one-third, two-thirds. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to have a little secret in, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, there's, there's nothing here because... That, that you can't discern yourself. There's, you know, if you if you have our IBU amounts. Um, so anyway, on the 30 minute edition, so the first edition is all Centennial. The 30 minute is Cascades and Centennial. Two thirds Cascade, one third Centennial. The five minute edition is Columbus and Cascades, 50-50. And then the zero minute is uh, Columbus and Cascades, one third Columbus, two thirds Cascade. This is a really Cascade forward period. Right. Cascades are the keynote of this beer. We're we're actually fairly open with our with our uh, our recipes. Yeah. Um, well, we appreciate that. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, it, I think I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Homebrewers like brewing beer, and they like drinking good beer, and obviously. It's still you're, you're probably drinking our motives while you're making your motives. And I'll, I'll just mention that you can actually go to our website at the uh, share. I think you click on share the love and there's like a little email newsletter you can sign up for. Right. And we send that out monthly and we uh, send out a home a five gallon version of a, re- of a recipe of one of our beers every month. Is that right? As well. I'll let so, that. Yeah. Well, it's not obvious what it is. I, it's called Open Source Craft Brewing. Okay. Sorry, that's the link. It's like right on our homepage, I think. Cool. We have a pretty dynamic, oddball website. It's not mobile friendly right now, but it's. Uh, but if you click on there, it just your name just goes into our database, and we put you on our email list, and, and we send out a new homebrew recipe every every month. All right, cool. Yeah, and we do some of our seasonal stuff and fun stuff too. So, All right. so the the final hop edition. Do you do a whirlpool with that, or do you let it? We, we dump it into the kettle, and that is just because of the nature of what we're dealing with. Our whirlpool is a very large tank. You have to get up and climb a ladder. Okay. Otherwise, I probably would put it into the whirlpool. Um, potato, potato at that point, though, without the heat on, it's just you, you can't screw around. If you're going to put it into the kettle, go immediately to whirlpool. Um, 
make sure that your heat's off. You don't want a lot of boiling going on here. You want those, you don't want to drive off. Kill the aroma. Yeah. Oils and stuff. Exactly. So, like I said, if, if our Whirlpool tank at this facility was easier and safer to get to, we'd be doing that. You gotta think, this is a buttload of hops. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. gonna be, we don't want to be hauling up buckets and buckets of hops up the ladder, especially yeah. on a hot tank. It's dangerous for us to do. So, so of the overall IBU, what percentage of the bitterness do you think is contributed by the quote bitterness addition? Um, or would you rather that's not a good, say? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, you know. I would rather have the brewers at home try to try to play around with this a little bit, but just to get you started, assume fifty percent. Okay, that's good. Anything we can get, it's we're gonna uh, ask, right? You know, watching these guys, like I said, I'm not the brewer, but watching them dry hop in the 240 barrel tanks is it's a it's a chore yeah. because it's so so many hops. But it's cool, and we just got those 240 barrel tanks in this spring. It's um. You know, they have to get up on the third floor of the building and walk out on a, a deck to, yeah, on a catwalk to, to get access to those tanks. And it's a lot of hops. Yeah. <laughs> so you headed off to the chiller. Yep. And then into the fermenter. Yep. And I heard dry hop. <laughs> yep. So See, I don't know what I missed earlier. So when but I guess you you're going through the process. So. We, I like to dry hop when it's basically, it's... It's hit terminal, but it's still bubbling. Okay. So that's going to take a few, a little bit of, um, I don't know, knowledge of how your systems work, how things typically work for you. Um, We'll basically, we'll see it get into our target range of final gravity, and then we'll we'll probably dry hop at that point. We'll still see fermentation. So we like to, we definitely dry hop warm, and we dry hop with... uh, with pelletized hops. Is it all cascade? Hop power. Powder. Uh, powdered hops. Excuse me. Uh, nope, we do a split of Cascades and Columbus. The best I'm going to tell you on dry hopping <laughs> is it's more dry hops than you would think. Okay. Good enough. Yep. We're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so use uh, just the usual silicon-chondrical fermenters, right? Uh-huh. Um, so it's not Fermenters, any sort of open fermentation. It's no open fermentation. fermentation. Closed, we eat, we're using unitanks, the... Uh, you know, they're jacketed. We keep our fermentation temperature about 69 degrees Fahrenheit on this. We don't want it uh, ramping too high up into the, you know, anything above, like, say, 72 is kind of the danger zone as far as picking up some more esters and some funky uh, yeah. things. Again, what what we're trying to highlight in this is the hop. We want that Cascade, Columbus, Centennial, the citrusy, the rose petals, and even, like, the dank... Um, you know, sticky resinous yeah. flavors of the Columbus to just totally be highlighted. We don't want to be screwing around with diacetyl esters, anything else. You want a good, clean, solid fermentation on this beer. So, how long does it typically take for what I would call primary fermentation? We can usually get through primary in seven days. Okay, and then do you let it set? Or do you drop the temperature? For we'll dry hop warm. And we'll leave that in for about five days, five approximately. Days. Okay. Um, just depends on how busy we are in the brew house. Sometimes it's three days, sometimes it's as much as eight, but typically it's about five days. 
and then we'll start to reduce temperature over, uh, we'll do it in stages, come down to 55 degrees and uh, rest. We'll make sure you get a good diacetyl rest in there as well. When you dry hop, you're going to see some renewed fermentation. There's just oxygen in those pellets. And as those pellets dissolve and release the oxygen, you're going to see some renewed fermentation in your fermenter. Make sure that all fermentation is ceased. Then wait a day just to make sure. <laughs> and then start to come down. And we like to come down in stages. We come down to 55 degrees and we'll wait for a day. And then we'll come down to 45 degrees and wait for a day. At that point, we'll pull yeast if we need to. If not, we'll start to drop yeast and then we'll bring it the rest of the way down to about 35. And then it'll cellar um, for a few days. You know, it depends. Again, uh, you know, I'm going to say from there, if we're 12 days into it, it'll probably cellar for another 6 to 7 days. Okay. And then we'll bring it all the way down to 32 degrees to create um, some chill haze. Right. And then we can filter back out. And we'll either run through centrifuge or to uh, DE and plant frame filters. Okay. And then force carbonate. 8 volumes. And off to cans or cakes. Okay. And so we talked about cans a little bit before. That it seems like Colorado in general, Oscar Blues was really the first in the industry to embrace yeah. cans. And where were you in that lineage of can adoption? We actually were right on their heels. That's what I with thought. ESB, I and I don't, I don't know if we're going to talk about our special ESB, but yeah. So we came out with that beer in 2003, right after Oscar Blues. So we were actually we were actually the second craft brewer in the country with right. beer in cans. But from then until Modus, that was the only beer we had in cans. Oh, okay. So right. it was a. Uh, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't market it heavily. We yeah. just gotten a new bottling line, and uh, we weren't, we, we, didn't, we really didn't want to cannibalize our, our bottles by making a big marketing push with one particular beer. We had a small, you know, manual canning line, two-headed canning line, and uh, it was kind of diff- it was difficult. We just didn't know it was going to happen. Oscar Blues went full out, yeah, and so. You know, it was, it, it, so we kind of do that with a lot of stuff. We're 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 second. We're always second. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily bad. <laughs> but uh, those guys are great. They actually have been great friends of ours over the years. And one of our two canning lines that we have in operation now is actually their first automated canning line. So we uh, we bought that from those guys when they stepped up to their big line that they're actually I think they they're getting rid of now. Okay. So I always ask so since I do so many British beers, I have to ask about serving temperature. Does it matter to you? Do you think there's a, a good serving yeah. temperature to highlight I, certain things? Yeah, I like you know, I like my beer cold. I mean we're in the southwest part of the United States. I yeah. mean it's it's pretty hot. Yes it does. But. So I like the cold beer, but um, I think if you serve this particular beer and even I'm on the cold end of things at like 38 to 40 degrees, which is extremely cold. I like it. Yeah, I think the hops come through still and, and some things like that. You could probably get all the way up to 48 degrees and still be considered fairly cold and still enjoy this. But I don't know. To me, the 
hoppy IPAs, that crisp, cold, citrusy, kind of refreshing flavor, that's where it's at for me. Um, as they start to warm up, you get more of that bitterness in the back part of your tongue. Uh, like kind of become a little more chewy. Right. I like, I like cold. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. Not, I would say ideally, you know, in the, for, for me, once again, um, mid 40s but like for savor for the big food and beer pairing event in DC I told them like 52 degrees the thing is it's 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 you know it's bigger than most traditional English ales so it's kind of weird when you get into the little bit when it gets a little bit warmer like 50 plus then that malt because it's 6.8% that that malt it's a little hard to, it's harder to handle. Yeah. You do get a lot more flavors going on at plus 50. But um, that may not be what you're shooting for. Right? No, and you know, I would. I certainly wouldn't say, I wouldn't tell anybody else to drink it, you know, at 40 degrees. But, but I like it 40, 45 degrees. And like I said, I, I suggest it higher if you're working with food or something and you want to, you want to go warmer. And, and, you know, it's just... It's weird. It's like Bill. I don't know. I don't know why, but I like beer a little, a little colder than what is traditionally right. a particular serving temperature for that beer. Well, and I think a lot you, of people. Yeah. And once you get into American IPAs, they, they're bigger. Yeah. And that it's just, I get a gagging reflex with warmer, heavier malt yeah. beers. Like, granted, it's out of balance on the hoppy side, but that malt shines once you get above fifty. Yeah. So, so do the hops, but everything does. Yeah. Exactly. So you've you've mentioned a number of things throughout the whole interview that are really helpful, key things for homebrewers. Is there any thoughts you want to leave the audience with? The the recap of the important elements of this particular beer? The most important thing on this beer, probably where we spend our most time always in brewing it, is on the water. Water. The water style of this beer is probably more vital than any other beer in the We'll get uh, the city reports of what the water is supposed to be. We'll do our own water analysis in-house. We'll do that repeatedly throughout the year. Um, again, we're in Colorado, so we get like the snowfall, snow melt. Our water changes throughout the year, so we're constantly dealing with the water. But really knowing what your water is and then how you're going to burdenize it and change it, it's going to be it's all of that mouthfeel and drinkability and the hot character that's coming through. It's all about that water. It's the most important thing. Okay. That's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> well, I appreciate all your time, guys. I, really, I think this will really be a popular show. Cool. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet me. All right. Yeah. Nice to meet you, too, Neil. All right. Appreciate Cheers. it. Thank yeah. you. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. 
Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's super yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. This summer, Reed Antis from New York won fully paid tuition to the 2012 World Brewing Academy Concise Course in Brewing Technology thanks to Lalamon and Danstar and their 2012 Beer School Contest. It was so much fun, they're doing it again. Announcing Danstar's Beer School 2013 Contest. From now until December 13th, 2012, every time you use Lalamond or Danstar Premium Brewing Yeast, your empty packet is your entry for a chance to win a professional brewing course in the Beer School 2013 contest, Lalamon will sponsor two lucky winners, one professional brewer and one home brewer, in a random drawing for fully paid tuition to the 2013 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth nearly $4,000. This course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Get your official entry form and rules at danstaryeast.com. Get brewing with the dry yeast advantage from Lalamond and Danstar. Visit danstaryeast.com. Com. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the Home Brewed Chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, greetings. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. 
John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Seven short minutes off California State Route 101, there lies a secret oasis for all craft beer lovers. It's relax, grilling, and chilling, bro! Relax, grilling, and chilling in Hollister, California is a craft beer lover's dream come true. Not like a creepy JP dream. Like a normal craft beer lover's dream. 30 taps pouring your favorite craft beer. Visit Relax Grilling and Chilling on Facebook to see the most up-to-date beers and what's on the grill. And let us grill so you can chill. Angus burgers, filet mignon, and ribeye steaks, dogs and sandwiches, and more. Great food, great beer in a place where you can kick back and relax. Tuesdays are brewery nights. Come in to celebrate. And you're not limited to enjoying your favorite brew at the restaurant. Relax Grilling and Chillin' has beer to go. Relax Grilling and Chillin'. Let them grill so you can chill. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. <laughs> and JP's reminding us that the show's going too long because we're, we're too busy having fun. The interview is long. What are your other complaints, JP? Oh, we don't have time for them. Shit. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Should I just bring the closing music up right now? <laughs> yes. We do have time for uh, talking about how great our uh, fine sponsor, Northern Brewer, is. I mean, they, uh, they're the guys who uh, provide all our, our materials for, for brewing generally. They'll yeah. provide all the ingredients for, for brewing these fine beers. If you want to brew uh, the beers of Can You Brew It, I can think of no better place to go than northernbrewer.com. This is true. Get in there, and uh, they got lots of fresh ingredients. And, and for the finest beers, you want the freshest ingredients. So yep. check them out. Wow. Northernbrewer.com. <laughs> all right. And while you're at it, <laughs> While you're on the interwebs there, you might yeah. want to check out also the AHA, uh, the American Homebrewers Association. I know Northern Brewers is a big supporter of that. Jake Keeler, he's on the, the uh, governing committee. And as a matter of fact, he started out and uh, uh, became the VP of the governing committee. And now he's um, the president of the governing uh, committee. Because we all just think he, he's fantastic. The he's the ginchiest. Really qualified. Really hardworking, really smart, really passionate about it. He wants mm-hmm. this industry. He wants the home brewers to do really well and yep. to have a great, healthy hobby. All right, and, next plug. Um, really fantastic. So, uh, you know, check out the AHA. And uh, Jake's passionate about it. I think you should be, too. Uh, you know, if you if you join the AHA through the Brewing Network, you go to thebrewingnetwork.com. Click on the AHA link, you sign up, you help support uh, homebrewing across the nation, around the world, and uh, a little bit of that goes back to the, the Brewing Network as well. So, And you'll get something back, too. You get the uh, Zymergy Magazine. Magazine, you get the uh, discounts in a Pub, lot of great discount places. program, I mean, yeah. People are fantastic. getting really generous with those discounts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, once we get our tasting room open, we'll, we'll offer a serious uh, AHA discount. As much as the law allowed, we'll do, we'll do exactly. it. All right, uh, let's see here. So, great interview. Tasty brewed the beer. Yep. 
Clone, not cloned. I'm trying to. That's the name of the show. Yes. To, don't don't start cutting it short now. Why not? <laughs> Neil set that bar real high, yeah. real far away. So just amble on over there. <laughs> that makes it much easier for me to just kind of, you know. Yeah, short change. Take it. a rest. Yeah. Right. Not while I'm running the board. All right. Well, <laughs> I love did, you too much. What did What did you think about the beers? Uh, we taste them blind during the break. Mm-hmm. An A beer and a B beer. Right. One is Tasty's homebrew mm-hmm. clone attempt and mm-hmm. one is the modus operandi are you asking me yes well, okay what was your i mean here's your chance <laughs> Go for it. okay um i think uh i think it's pretty much cloned uh i think the color is pretty much there i think uh, mcdole's beer is a little darker um i thought the ska beer had a little more actually a lot more hop flavor in the finish hmm. like a bitterness really not flavor um, a more long-lasting bitterness. Um, Let me dodge around the mouse turds on the on the console. Yeah, please here. do. They're both they're both kind of warm now, so they're really uh, expressing the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm. The beer also has a more toasty, um, biscuity, if I could. <laughs> no, that's um, my word. Saying. Thing going on. Uh huh. Um, less resiny hops. I think Dole's beers always have like a resiny hop thing to them, which I really like. Hmm. Um, well, my beer is really green. I mean, it's like uh, you know, fifteen days old or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I didn't uh, filter it, so it's yeah. just whatever uh, the gelatin gave me. Came out nice and brilliantly clear. I thought, yeah, yeah. works great. Um, you know, and it's re- it is real boozy. Yeah, and it, especially as it warms uh, up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not so much when it's colder, but no, they've been sitting here for the. Four hours of that interview. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to call it cloned? Not cloned? I'm going to call it cloned with a caveat. With a caveat? Is that the little thing over the A? No, it's the, the, I think o, it's the two dots. The it's the little two, two dots, dots over the O? Yeah, it's I think it's called a caveat. caveat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it would be nice to see a little more firm bitterness out of it. But I don't know how to do that. I mean, you guys tell me. How would you How would you do that, McDole, if you, if you had to firm the bitterness up a little bit? Well, I think if the, the, it's like any young beer. You've... you've been homebrewing enough to realize this if you let it sell her for like an extra like a week or so mm-hmm. or commercially just getting it in distribution and you know having a little time to for the flavors to meld together i think the beer would be more in balance mm. i'm getting okay what i'm getting is i'm getting all the ingredients i'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting the big centennial focus mm-hmm. on this beer yes yes uh, and uh you know i the color i am the, the, i'm like 10 percent darker but i could probably make the beer again and just on the variation of my process, it may come out, you know, to be the color of his beer. I wouldn't change the recipe mm-hmm. for that. Right. Uh, no, I agree. The I'm color. just saying that, uh, you know, I can't think of any, any recipe process, any recipe change that I can make that, uh, would bring the beer, you know, considerably closer together. So mm-hmm. I say cloned. Right. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I wouldn't change the recipe. I think, uh, JP makes some good points. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think, um, you know, if you were to hand me either one, I would say that that's the beer. Um, I don't think that they're, they're that far off. I think, um, uh, yeah, I think they're cloned. I mean, I taste them both initially, uh, when they're a little cooler and I think, um, you know, uh, the, the differences were, were much slighter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I call it cloned. All right. So call it one cloned. Uh, good job, Tasty, as always. Uh, knocking it out of the park. Uh, 
recipe, uh, like we always do for the show, uh, six gallons at the end of the boil. That gives you five and a half gallons you can transfer to your carboy. And then at the end of fermentation, you should have five gallons of finished beer. Anticipated starting gravity, 1068 or 16 and a half Play-Doh. Your anticipated color is 14.4. IBU, 63.1 using the Rager formula. That's at 70% efficiency. You're going to boil this for 90 minutes. The, let's see here, uh, domestic uh, two-row, 88% or 6.44 kilograms. (coughs) Wheat malt, 5% or 370 grams. Crystal 120, 7% or 510 grams. And then hops, 24 grams centennial, 10.5% alpha acid, 90 minutes. 24 grams cascade, 5 and 3 quarter alpha acid, 30 minutes. 12 grams centennial, 10.5%, 30 minutes. 18 grams Columbus, 15 alpha acid, 5 minutes. 18 grams cascade, 5 and 3 quarter percent alpha acid, uh, 5 minutes. 12 grams Columbus, uh, 15% again, uh, 0 minutes. 24 grams Cascade, 5 and 3 quarter percent, 0 minutes. And then for the dry hopping, we have 56 grams each of Cascade and Columbus uh, in the dry hop. The yeast was uh, White Labs WLP 07 Dry English Ale Yeast. The mash, 158 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, let's see here, some notes. Using Durango water, uh, plus gypsum, canning salt, and baking soda. Scott mixes the brewing salts in with the uncrushed grain. They primary about seven days, 68 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit. Get to the target range of final gravity, which is uh, about 1015. Then dry hop with Cascade and Columbus pellets, a 50-50 mix, a ton. They, they didn't specify how much. But I don't think there's really a difference in the dry hop character on this beer. I mean, maybe no. Tasty maybe went a little too much, and that's where yeah, kind I, of that <laughs> resiny is coming from. Mm. Yeah, I, I used like uh, well, I ended up because my uh, somehow my grits was was uh, finer, so I got my had to make in a fourteen gallon batch. I usually make mm-hmm. twelve, uh, but for a fourteen gallon batch, I had uh, almost five ounces of uh, Cascade and five ounces of Columbus in the dry hop. Wow, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, because for when you have five finished, we were talking about um, two, two six grams, two yeah. ounces of each. Yeah. Uh, so four ounces total. Yeah, so, so I'm, yeah. That's, I'm on that same schedule. I didn't, I just yeah. ramped it up at that rate. Okay, yeah. so that that might be a little too much, mm. uh, but again, I think it's pretty darn close. So leave the dry hops in for about five days. Crashed to fifty-five degrees. Wait for a day. Crashed to forty-five. Wait for a day. Dropped about 35 for six to seven days. Dropped to 32 degrees and filter. All right. There's your recipe. What What did you do different from that, uh, Tasty? Anything, uh, any notes for the, the listeners on that? Let's see. Well, I, <laughs> one thing I did is I, like, I, again, I overshot my uh, 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 pre-ball gravity. I uh, had to, you know, add water to, to bring it back down to, uh, to where it should have been. And then, of course, uh, had to go back into uh, the uh, brewing software, and you know, change the hopping rates to account for the fact that I make have more wort, to, you know, to spread that around. So I had to increase the hopping level. So I ended up with you know, had a decision. I could have like uh, 
ransom wore it off and, and said on at Prebo wore it off and then bump it up. Uh, but I, you know, decided just to make extra work and mm-hmm. knew when I knocked out into the uh, fermenters that uh, I'd have some some left over. Of course, I did. Uh, I think I'm also unusual. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the dry hopping was, you know, I noticed that that it really uh, uh, was a ton of hops. I was like, kind of amazed. I never that, train that, load of hops. That train load of like almost ten ounces of hops or nine ounces of hops. And uh, you know, into a twelve gallon fermenter, that's 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 uh, quite a bit. So anyway, the beer uh, with this 007 yeast, it, it yeah. just uh, you know just clears the beer off like crazy. That so it has no hop haze or anything. I yeah. mean, if I'd, I'd done that much dry hop with the uh, 001 yeast, for instance. Uh, it would have been, you know, hazy, and I had probably right. had to poly, you know, put some other, uh, gelatin probably wouldn't have taken care of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll uh, uh, take any questions from the chat and wrap up after this. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Have you ever dreamed of taking a beer tour through Belgium or Germany, but weren't sure how to even start? Or were afraid of missing the best places and events? Or maybe you just wish you had a local insider to take you around? Well, there's only one American tour company featured in the Good Beer Guide to Belgium. Belgian Beer Me, your personal beer tour guide of Belgium and Germany, is ready to go at BelgianBeerMe.com and at BambergBeerMe.com. Founder Stu Stewart personally leads eight tours a year 
to Belgium and Germany, visiting the finest breweries, beer cafes, abbeys, and festivals, stocking stuffers, birthday presents, and the best honeymoon ever. Couples or individuals love Belgian Beer Me Beer Tours. Your life is now. Sign up for a beer tour today at Belgian Beer Me or BambergBeerMe.com because all that beer is not going to drink itself. Like both Belgian Beer Me and Bamberg Beer Me on Facebook to follow current and upcoming tours. When Michael Fairbrothers started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can find Moonlight Meadery Meads in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And they ship direct to 17 states. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. No, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... Even the youngest listeners listen to the show. You didn't hear that? Well, I was one of the listeners. I did hear that. Calling in. I think it was Blobber. Wasn't that Blobber? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little low, too deep a voice for Blobber. Yeah, it's his low voice. <laughs> That's, That's when he's doing his, his, his very white impression. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of deep voices. Yes. Yes. Guys. Yes. Girls. <laughs> Talk to me, please. You want to get a little romantic? I do. With your special someone? Oh. Anytime I can. Well, I'll tell you what. Go to go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. I've been there. I don't know how limited this time is since we've been doing this for several years. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's limited like in... Like, well, as soon as right. they decide that we're not worth it. We're not worth it anymore, right. yeah. Uh, you use the uh, the offer code, can you brew it? C-Y-B-I. Oh, yeah. 
at adamandeve.com. And I'll tell you, they're going to give you a bunch of stuff. First off, you pick one item, just about any one item, 50% off. They're going to give you a free extra gift. They're going to give you free shipping. And then you're going to choose three free adult DVDs. You get to choose from genres such as anal, amateur, Asian, big breasts, big butts, bisexual, chunky, co-eds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, MILFs, brewcaster, brewcaster, etc. And now you can shop on your mobile phone at adamandeve.com. That's right. So if you're in the car and you, you know... No you texting. T- you but want to you talk go ahead dirty to the girl you're with? You, you can, can shop do some, do some shopping. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're you're there, they got lube, adult toys, movies, clothing, all sorts of stuff. Sex toys. Um, you know, like eighteen thousand products. Over wow. eighteen thousand products. And you get one of those at fifty percent off. That's a good deal. Yeah, fifty percent off. You get the three free DVDs. You get free shipping. You get a free extra gift. All for using the offer code CYBI. So go check it out. AdamandEve.com. They've uh, been good sponsors for, for quite a few years now. That's true. And, uh, uh, worth checking out if you need uh, any of that type of stuff. If you need to be checked out. <laughs> All right. Yep. So questions from the chat, JP. Yes, sir. From uh, Spider Wrangler. Oh, Spider. He's Is always right? there. For we it. should be paying him. I know. Um, he has a question about red versus white. He says, uh, red and white wheat have very similar descriptions and parameters. The main difference I can see is that red has more protein mm-hmm. and may be more traditional in hefts and other wheats. What's your impression of red versus white? I know McDowell has recipes that call for a wheat addition. Does he always use one v the other, and why? If it's a small addition just for head retention, will it matter if you use red or white? Ready, go. Well, I only use white. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything I've read about the two is it, just, it is just a protein difference. Mm-hmm. Is there? That one, that red is not really red. I think it's is it. There's no color differences. Well, they have like well, there's 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 like a summer wheat and a winter wheat, and that's the red and white. Yeah, difference. That's, that's essentially the difference. I think so. It's the same wheat growing in the same field. It's just environmentally is different. Not, I'm not sure about that. Or they it may, may use a different seed different, stock for right, that exactly. weather kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know that you would ever notice a difference. Maybe if you're doing like a hundred percent wheat beer, like a hundred percent wheat wine or something like that. Yeah, I imagine if you tried two different kinds, maybe you'd, you'd notice a difference. But I think for a small addition for head retention, yeah. I wouldn't worry. I mean, you know, but if you want more protein, then use the higher protein one, I guess. Yeah. For me, I, I, I've tried them both. I've tried the red wheat and the white wheat and all that in the past, and I don't really recall. Getting enough of a difference to ever really don't even care like, care about it. Where's that red that? wheat? I need it. I don't like, no, I just right. always get the white. It's what everybody seems to have. Yeah, but I've never I've never gone much further than that. So may not be the best person to ask, but that's that's my take on it. But good question. It is a good question. Uh, as Spider Wrangler is wanting to do. Uh, okay, the other one. I've heard people talk about oxygen coming out of the pellets before. Um, as they mentioned, happens during the dry hop, which results in renewed fermentation. It seems to me that there would be very little oxygen actually within a compressed pellet. Is that really what's going on, a, a renewed fermentation? Or are the pellets serving as a nucleation site for CO2 and suspension to come out or something else um, Something else different that he doesn't even know about? All right. So uh, there is oxygen in the pellets if you expose them to oxygen, right? If you get like a nitrogen-flushed pellet then there's probably no oxygen in it um but the amount of oxygen you know a pellet looks like a solid but you know there's lots of little nooks and crannies and there's going to be the partial pressure of gases it's going to you know gas is going to get in there um 
but it's not much. And I think it's more the nucleation sites. When you throw it in, you get all that CO2 coming out, and I think that that's more what you see. Mm. If the yeast are to t- uptake the oxygen, unless you had some really horrible fermentation or something, I mean, you know, they'll take up a little bit of that oxygen, and they're not going to do anything. They're not going to all of a sudden rip off some big fermentation. I mean, they might do a little bit more processing of, of some of the compounds, but that's it. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to get this huge. Well, I think they think the term re, you know, renewing the fermentation is is very misleading. I think a, mm-hmm. a lot like the term secondary fermentation, right. um, where it, for the the tiny amount of oxygen that may or may not be within the layers of those pellets, right. to re-energize the yeast to give a visible mm-hmm. uh, proof of fermentation is uh, it's, yeah. I don't think it's possible. It's just not, just not going to happen. Well, there's yeah. another thing in play. I mean, you're breaching the fermenter typically to, to mm-hmm. put the hops in. So mm-hmm. you're probably interjecting more oxygen just than that. Like you're opening up the top or yeah. however right. you're getting them in there. Well, a little bit because, right, you have right. that headspace that's all CO2 at that point, right. right? And then like in the interview, this, you know, the, the Scott people, what they do is they, you know, they're doing it. They're adding the hops when there's still a little bit of the fermentation left. Mm-hmm. I, the idea, and I do the same thing, yeah. is that it would scrub out any oxygen that's entered and right. consume it rather than have it be part of the finished beer. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all we got from the chisel. <clears throat> cool. Which is code for chat, but, you know. <laughs> another fine show. Another another great effort by uh, Tasty there. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Tasty McDowell. Knocking out uh, Ska Modus Hopperandi. And thank you, Neil Spake. And thank you, Ska, for, for the great interview. Yeah. If you get a chance, check out thebrewingnetwork.com uh, slash store. There's lots of goodies in there that you can buy to help support the Brewing Network. Uh, shirts, books, hats, glassware, lots of goodies. And you can even check out that Brew Your Own link. You click on that thing, sign up for the magazine, and you are going to get half of that going to the Brewing Network. Until then, uh, brew strong. And often. <laughs>